Hello everyone and welcome to the Ante Fans Basketball Podcast. This is me your host Asper and I'm joined with Kumareshu. Hey Kumu. Hey yo, what's up? Been long time. Yes it has been and there's been a lot of basketball in the meantime and we have a lot to catch up. Okay, so playoffs have been here and how have you felt? I mean these playoffs have been one of the most insane playoffs ever. Yeah, they've been extremely well contested and you know like The whole fact that it's all happening in the bubble and all that—it's a neutral venue, no home advantage and away advantage. Um, so you don't have teams like, say, Milwaukee or Lakers or even Celtics for the matter, or even the Raptors initially. So banking on that home crowd to push them and give them an extra boost, and yeah. it's more of the team that really wants it does go and get it. It's not always a better team, and this this is more exciting, honestly. Yeah, and. Uh... the bubble actually has different effects on different people i mean you heard lebron james telling it was still weird for him to actually adjust to playing without fans and then on the other side you had other players who were like it's good that they don't have fans so that that added pressure is not there so every player has a different you know way to react to this and we can see that in the players with the unpredictability and most of what we thought has been different from <laughs> Uh, what we expected it to be so let's just dive into it uh, so the first on the playoffs are about that though, um yeah why is it always just lebron james who has a problem with everything i mean you see jimmy yeah. butler come out and be like i'm only here for business and he's balling out there but lebron has to whine yeah <laughs> well that's just how some people are built but jimmy butler is just amazing i mean the level of respect that guy has gained from the entire community Uh, let's just get into that in a small bit of time. So let's just go step by step. So first, let's just talk about all the Western Conference first rounds. So the first round, first matchup was LA versus Portland, which was we had drawn a lot of hype based on this match because matchup because Portland was on a tear and the way they were playing made us you know believe that they can actually you know cause some problems for the Lakers and maybe even upset them. You are a strong believer in the Portland Trailblazers. So, Kumu, what's your thoughts now? Oh, yeah, my hot take I had a couple episodes back literally um, flamed out. Uh, we all thought Portland was going to win. I mean, I said I expect Lakers to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Portland won. But then yeah. at the same time, like, oh, well, I think it was around the Brooklyn match. The Portland was Brooklyn match. It was seventh seeding game. Not yeah. really sure, but anyway, hmm. it was around that time. It was pretty evident. Um, Portland can't defend for nothing. They have no defensive rebounding. Yeah. Um, things just go flying everywhere. They're extremely poor in defend defending big men, and that's yeah. all the Lakers have. They just have two insanely good big men. That's it. Nothing else. And you have. Yeah. I mean, I think we even spoke and right before the series, you know, started, and we're like, you know what, um. Yeah, we can't really pick Portland anymore, <laughs> and we were both shocked that Portland even won the first match. We didn't expect it, but then after that, it was more smooth sailing for Lakers. As yeah, effectively so because they couldn't defend, and yeah, halfway through, um, Lillard got injured, and that just like set in stone who's gonna go through. Yeah, I mean, you gotta feel sad for Lillard, man. The way he built this team, the entire you know bubble, a playoff time, play in tournament or whatever that was. Oh, uh, the Portland Trailblazers are built only for offense. I feel the defense is very, very sloppy, and 
the first match i guess they were just riding on a lot of confidence and the momentum of the entire bubble experience and the lakers actually didn't play any meaningful games those eight games they were just there for the sake of it they didn't want to you know that uh, what do you call that playoff uh, intensity only ramped up in the first round i guess so they took the yeah, first game off yeah the first game was a shocker for them and i mean all of us actually just got hyped up because we we didn't we expected them to do but then and they actually won the first match all of us were like oh yeah portland in four and all that <laughs> then uh, we all came back to reality and <laughs> no. the lakers handled their business in five games so gentlemen I mean, uh, to be fair yeah to be fair we all had a little bit of charles barkley between us <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean no <laughs> uh, remember that time i think on uh, his uh, show he just bought out the broom and stuff uh <laughs> That was too much. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so the Lakers handled their business. It was a pretty straightforward one-two-eight matchup. Uh, so let's talk about the next Western Conference matchup, which was the Houston Rockets versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. This was unexpectedly competitive, don't you think? This was an amazing. This was an amazing match. Like. Yeah. It was insanely good. So none of us expected, especially after the first two matches, Houston was killing the uh, the Thunder. Yes. Um, then we figured out they cannot play uh, Houston with Adams. They played Gallo at five, and that just changed everything for them. They had the three young guards in uh, Schroeder, Trey, and Paul playing two young guards and one extremely good veteran guard. Yeah. And then they had Lou Dog, who no one saw coming before the restart. Yeah. killing it like lighting them on fire and they were extremely good it was an extremely well like, contested match yeah my favorite moment was a game 6 where chris paul was just like you know um like dominating everyone and showing and proving his alpha male dominance on everyone just like he's just throwing his balls in front of every single person <laughs> player he was like staring down at harden and he was doing all kinds of shit it was so fun to watch Yeah, this is an amazing series to be honest, and um, you know what? Like, uh, commiserations for Thunder because they could have gone through if one thing went their way, but yeah. it is what it is. And I think honestly, um, Rockets do uh, prove to be a better matchup against the Lakers. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, this was just a redemption tour for Chris Paul, right? I mean, because the previous your his entire reputation was tarnished i mean he played well but everyone just tagged him as that you know liability who always gets injured and what not so and you know the fact that chris paul is actually one of the most competitive people in the league and the fact that he got to face the team that traded him was just an added you know chip on his shoulder and you know players like these always want chips on their shoulder and he just yeah, went out so many and narratives this time exactly like, this is he, one of them yeah and he just went out and balled man i mean the sixth uh, in i think game 6 the way he just took over the fourth quarter my god and then he was just firing shots at harden and westbrook saying that some people are just built for times like these it was just amazing to watch this rivalry go on but game 7 it was you know not with the team's best matches but that's what you expect from game 7s 
बट ऑनेस्टली आई फील दुड हैुडॉट वॉज ऑन फायर बट वेन इट कम्स टू दिचुएशन एंड वॉज वन मोस्ट एट ओके सी एक्चुअली had the best winning percentage when it comes to clutch matches the entire series so they were at a very very distinct advantage here but i mean i don't know it was planned or whatever but the final play i mean that could have gone better because chris paul was just looking for other people he should have just looked in you know someone should have come and given given him a screen so that he could go in and do his business because that's what that's who he is that one mistake which was made there that just caused him the entire series and you could see how much that actually hurt chris paul in the press conference after that he was almost in tears so you know how much this meant to him and how much this entire series meant to him because this was just a redemption tour so that he could show the entire world that chris paul is still one of the best point guards in the entire league and no one can doubt him so it was amazing to watch him play like that Yeah, it was an insanely good uh, matchup. I loved it. Like, yeah. initially you had um, like Harden and Russ, Russ from the sidelines acting like a cheerleader, just pushing them, and they had an entire oh. momentum on their side. And this is yeah. turned completely over, mm. all because of one man, Chris Paul. Like, yeah. um, so many people are like they keep saying, you know, like he doesn't have any playoff success and whatnot. To be fair, you don't blame him because he spent the initial years of his career playing for Charlotte, who were crap. Then he yeah. played for the Clippers, and when he was at the Clippers, they were one of the best teams in the league. They just didn't have the like, you know, the depth or whatever to make it through to the later rounds. Yeah, and he was it extremely was... unlucky. Then he moved to the Rockets, and uh, that 2000 was it 2018 season. Yeah, the 18th. They lost to the Warriors in the finals. Yeah, I mean, they got no. injured and he went down. Yeah, that was 17-18. Yeah. Yeah, seventeen eighteen. Yeah, seventeen eighteen. Yeah. So it's been a combination of both bad luck, but then there is no doubting that he is one of the best point guards of all time. Yeah, that's true, man. That's true, and he showed that this time. But let's see what he does next season because I'm really excited for this OKC team. It's young, it's hungry, and they're gonna be amazing. I mean, uh, the. chances for them to reach the playoffs this time was you know really really small and for them to actually push the Houston Rockets who were actually title contenders in the start of the season that's how everyone looked at them so seven games it was amazing it's just unbelievable yes uh, okay so yeah. yeah so from that series let's just go to the next one which was a 3 and 6 match up which was again unexpectedly really really competitive the denver nuggets versus the utah jazz yeah again this was everyone literally wrote off the series assuming it was a boring one but i think in my opinion it was the best series of the first round yep like, no question it was insane that, yeah. like it was a complete roller coaster right cuz at several points there were multiple teams i mean both teams had like looked like the favorites to win the series now this came out the first match completely wiped out the jazz and they looked yeah. like the favorites to win then the next yeah. three games jazz came out and they completely wiped out the nuggets and they looked <laughs> like they were going to win and then yeah. at the fourth match uh, in the jazz's last win jamal murray just decides to show up in the bubble and just goes supernova like what he averaged 40 52 40 something like that yeah i mean he averaged 30 plus yeah. i'm not sure exactly but it's insane 
Yeah, he went 40 and 52 and 40 back to back, brought it back yeah. to 3 3. Yeah. And then, to be honest, last match was probably the most disappointing match I was. Like, a really yeah. sad way to end the series. It was yeah. a complete shit show, but it was an insanely good basketball series. Till the last yeah. match. Last match, like, 78 80. Like, it's clear there's no quality. Like, the only quality in that entire match was Jokic, which is baby skyhooks and whatever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's how most game sevens are because the pressure is so intense. People just tend to make more mistakes. And yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, game sevens are usually more exciting than basketball spectacles. That's expected. But basketball spectacles happened, you know, during the series. Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray played out of their minds. I mean, these two uh, racked up, I, I don't exactly remember how many points, but these were the highest points, uh, you know, two opposing guards scored against each other in the entire history of the NBA. And that is insane. So, and you know, they actually, they even dropped 50 on each other in a jazz win, I guess. So it was amazing, you know, the way these people were playing. and. I think in our previous podcast, we actually had our doubts like about the Nuggets because we didn't expect Jamal Murray to actually play that well because he has it in his previous playoff matches. But he has showed up now and he has showed up big time. And the fact that they have more bigger people, they have even your Michael Porter Jr. is playing okay. They got uh, Gary Harris okay, back. Yeah. yeah, they got Gary Harris back as well. So now they have that entire core as well. and. It was just too much for the Jazz. And considering that this could have been even better if the Jazz had uh, uh, Bogdanovich because he was their second leading scorer. So imagine if he would have been there and then... Yeah, then I think... I think like if Bogdanovich know. was there, it's, it's surely a Jazz win. Yeah, but surely a Jazz. So much more to that team. Yeah. But... I mean, like, you but, wouldn't have Michael Conley taking the last shot for sure. Yeah, but dude, that last... Last play, man. I mean, <laughs> though, um, first of all, Donovan Mitchell didn't play well that entire match, like the final match. That wasn't one of his best matches. He turned the ball over, and the Nuggets were actually leading. They didn't have to run down and try and score, they could have just stayed there, run down the clock. But Jamal Murray just went, uh, sprinted down the court, and it, like he. The I think whom is the shot Tony Craig I guess, uh so yeah that yeah, Tony he, Craig, man. yeah so he he missed easy a basic layup. layup yes he missed an easy layup <laughs> and I, I I'm not like the entire Jazz uh, the entire Nuggets bench would have just literally been on their edges like they must be thinking what could blunder have these people made the game was in their back why did I have to go do that and then Mike Connolly comes running. Donovan Mitchell's right there with his arms up. He's like, please give me the ball, please. But there was no time. And then finally, just launched up a shot. And in fairness, it almost went in. It just danced around the it ring was a and good came shot. off. It was, a, it was a good enough yeah. shot. But it was just not meant to be. And the Nuggets yeah. went on. Yeah. So it was, it it was, was a complete ex- roller coaster. exciting yeah. match. Though. I mean, yeah. match. Like, yeah. Imagine this. Like, you know, this. I think this series defined the whole draft situation. You don't need to be a lottery drafting team to get the best talent. Yeah, uh, I think Jamal true. Murray was uh, drafted 26, I mean, 16th in the 2016 draft. Uh, yeah. Donovan Mitchell was drafted 
13th or 14th in 2017 draft yeah like and these two are like right now on the biggest talents like when you go I, I, for like even that, even jokic even jokic wasn't that high of a draft pick i guess yeah jokic was like the 45th or 46th uh, draft exactly. pick exactly so, so like that's how if you have a smart back backroom and a whole like really smart stable organization you can do anything you want you don't need to go go through the whole process and tank for yeah. picks like philadelphia i mean exactly. like, we're going to get to them later but look what's happening to them <laughs> exactly and if you're thinking they drafted well before this their current draft picks are also pretty well bowl bowl is really good and you have yeah. michael porter junior who was again a 14 14 to 13 pick yeah so these people also have really high ceilings but people just were scared to take them nuggets took their chance and they might reap the benefits of it so it's a real powerhouse mm. coming company of powerhouse in denver in the near future and the point is everyone is very young like everyone is i think 24 less than 24 right i don't know how much jokic yep. is but jamal murray is 23 i guess jokic is 23 or 24 yeah so they have a really young core and the way they've been playing it's unbelievable so we we can be looking at a potential super team here Yes. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, if you consider the other picks, like Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, uh, the guy they tra- uh, traded off to Minnesota, uh, Monte Morris. Yeah. We know how to draw. Yeah, Denver is real. I mean, uh, if you just there are some teams like uh, all these small market teams, like who are not really good free agent destinations, they are forced to do stuff like this. Like if you look at the you know New York Knicks, what do they do? They just sit around waiting for free agents to come because they just feel that the allure of the Madison Square Garden is just going to pull the free agents there. So they just don't draft. I mean, they didn't pay that much attention on drafting and stuff. But if you look at Denver, if you look at Dallas, then if you look at all the other teams, all of them, all these small market teams, they you know they have to go through the draft. They have to meticulous research and then they. try to get out the gems in the draft which are not usually the top you know the top 1 2 3 pick so the denver have done denver yeah, have done a really good job yeah yeah i mean that's an interesting point by the like you don't get you know rewarded for just resting on your all or so exactly um next fans if you're hearing this through you <laughs> <laughs> i mean i should feel sorry for you guys but um, you you your team is just burden on yourself <laughs> Okay uh so the last series from the Western Conference playoffs first round was the LA Clippers versus the Dallas Mavericks and it was a homecoming party for da- for Luka Doncic so think- <laughs> Yeah definitely Yeah I mean- he was insanely good like he was amazing yeah. um definitely a top 8 player in the league now no doubt about definitely. it Definitely yeah I, mean, I don't think anyone can like the talent qualities anymore yeah but then it like the Dallas team is so shallow you know like after Luka and Kristaps there's no real top talent there yeah but I then there from you first why don't you go first yeah i mean the the Dallas team in they have a really young team and they have a really good coach and if you're not i mean the the biggest thing about this dallas team was their offensive rating is one of the best in nba history not in just this league but nba history they have one of the best offenses so they've just been amazing at you know 
running the ball up and just playing outstanding basketball but the reason why they are the seven seed and why you know they haven't played as well as a team with their offensive potential should be is because they're a young team and you have a really young point guard actually running the entire show so that's expected but uh, if you look at their team build up it's actually pretty good i mean i'm not sure defensively that that good but offensively if you look at it you have luka who is just amazing Porzingis, if he can stay healthy, can literally shoot from anywhere. He can post up. He can do whatever you want him to do. And then he has really good role players. Seth Curry is really, really good. You have Tim Hardaway Jr. who is playing really well. Trey Burke, my God, that guy from where he just popped up out of nowhere, man. He was just picked up right before yeah. the playoffs, I guess. And he played insane. I mean, uh, I think it was game four or game three. I don't remember when Luca was in foul trouble. He was sitting on the bench, and Trey Burke went nuts. Like the Clippers are supposed to be the best, you know, they're supposed to have the best defensive personnel, but they weren't able to stop Trey Burke, man. So that was insane. So the Dallas team actually showed a lot of, uh, you know, they actually showed a lot of potential here. But again, yeah. the Clippers were the superior team, and also, yeah. I mean, also Dallas need to improve a lot defensively because yeah, that's true. That's true. Offense. They're yeah. very poor on defense. Exactly. I do like to play this weird style like for Zingis and another big man, Klebo or someone else. Or yeah. I mean, playing in the offense. Yeah. I really don't I understand don't why these, yeah, why, you know, all these great big men like AD and Pozingas don't like to play centered. I mean, <laughs> you, it's like, it's bro, if you play that, you're going to be insane. But they just like, no, I don't want to do that. It's just, I, I don't understand why they do that. But it's glad that, yeah. like, I mean, they should do that more often. So that, that would just elevate their, their level and the team's level as well. Yeah. And also, you consider the fact that what it went, like, it was 4-2 when it finished. So it went yeah. to six games. Yeah. And despite going... And it went to six games despite um, Luca being injured and going out. Pozingis not oh, injured was injured. Yeah, he matched this. Yeah. And Luca not only Luca went out for like a whole half of a match and got into foul trouble for another. And he only played twenty eight minutes of the first match. Like hmm. basically, you just you didn't Dallas didn't play to their full potential even one match, and they still yeah. gave other Clippers a run for their money. Yeah, which is insane. And yeah, you could say like, yeah, man, like a playoff P wasn't informed. He is not playoff P. Please don't call him that. He has never <laughs> proven anything in the playoffs. Yeah. Let him own it. Yeah, I mean, he, he was having a really hard time those first three three matches or four matches. I'm not sure. But yeah, those first four matches, I guess, were horrible. But he picked up later and I think he's playing okay now as well. So let's see how he plays because Kawhi, Kawhi is Kawhi. I mean, there's no stopping him. He's going to play amazing irrespective. He's literally a robot. Was been put into the league among men to just dominate and decimate anyone who comes in front of him. But yeah. PG has to support him. I, I, you can just look at the way he plays. It's just so effortless, man. You, no matter how many people you put on Kawhi, he can just peacefully go to his spot, jump up, shoot. It's just amazing. And defensively, man, I mean, there was this one play, I guess, where he just... Uh, plucked the ball out of Moyano, which is hands, and then just went away. I mean, it's just amazing how crazy Kawhi is as a defender and as a player. But 
PG has to pick up if they actually expect to win something because uh, Kawhi can't do it all alone. Yeah, that's true. Like Kawhi needs help, and yeah, he's got like on the offense, he's probably got someone like Lou Williams to help him out. Yeah, he needs more but, help. And yeah, to be fair to them, Pat Bev wasn't there for like much of the series. I don't know what's yeah, wrong yeah. with him, but he did come back recently. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. so. I think so. I still think um, the clips are favorites. So, yeah, the clips yeah, are definitely right. the favorites. Yeah, but yeah. So takeaway from this series was the clips. Even though Paul George was playing horribly, can still have the depth and the offensive power to actually overcome most teams in the NBA. So they that's not that that just shows how well this team is constructed. But on the other hand, it just showed how. Great of a player Luca is, and how amazing he's gonna be in the future. I, I, it just, I mean, you had Marcus Morris literally try to injure him, man. That's how frustrated the clips were. That was, that was disgusting. Yeah, that honest. was disgusting to watch. I mean, the first he tried to, you know, stamp on his leg, and then the other time he just swatted him on his face. That was just unsportsmanlike, man. But, I mean, I know Marcus Morris is an ex-Celtic and all that, but yeah, yeah, that was out of the league for such behavior. Yeah, and but yeah, Marcus Morris is you know prone. He always does stuff like this. I mean, remember one time he just bounced the ball out of one defender, like he just hit the ball on another defender's head. Oh yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and he does stuff like this, but this was a little too much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So that was the West. A lot of surprises. A lot. It was damn interesting. Uh, the East, not so much. I mean. It was the drama and you know the excitement of the West wasn't there a lot in the East. The first matchup was Milwaukee and Orlando. Uh, Milwaukee won four one. That was expected. I mean, the first match everyone just lost their shit. They're like, oh, the Lakers lost the first match. The Milwaukee Bucks lost the first match. It's gonna be it's a bubble effect and all those things. So yeah, everyone came back to Earth after that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I just have one question. How can you say there hasn't been much drama in the East when you have Philadelphia, the biggest drama like, yeah, team I mean, in the league? <laughs> yeah, I meant... Uh, Apart uh, from the com- Lakers, obviously. Yeah, I meant competition-wise, like how you had two Game 7s in the West. Here, I was just waiting. Yeah. So that's what I'm just I messing meant. with you. I know yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the first match, Bucks Orlando, Bucks just handled business. What did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, like, that should have been a sign of things to come, you know. Even though they did, um, what was it, a 4-1 sweep of the uh, magic? Yeah. Mm. Like a gentleman sweep, sorry, one yeah. yeah. But then, like, that should have been a sign of things to come. Because you could still see, uh, none of the Bucks players are still in rhythm. Um, yeah. Bud was still playing Giannis to his regular 28 and 32 minutes. He didn't play oh, get those playoff yeah. minutes yet. Yeah. And no one would, I think, who was it? Bledsoe and everyone, they were all into all kinds of trouble and yeah. form. I think Bledsoe, Bledsoe didn't I, I play, I guess. Bledsoe was injured. No, yeah, he didn't or, play initially. He came in yeah, a lot later. Yeah, yeah, he came in later. So, oh yeah, Bledsoe had to join in late because uh, he yeah. was tested positive. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally, if you ask me, it's like Bucks have just been playing off two players, um, Giannis and Kyle Corvo, no one else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that should be the side of things to come. Like, um, so we're recording this podcast as of um six September on a Sunday, where yeah. I think like three matches of the Heat Bucks series have been over. Yeah. 
like after seeing the Orlando series, yeah, I don't, I don't think people should be surprised. I mean, yeah, it is surprising at three and zero down, but yeah. like you'd obviously pick the Heat to win. Yeah. So it was. I mean, we can talk about that entire series and and a whole other episode. So, uh, the Bucks, okay. The first match wasn't that interesting. The first series wasn't that interesting. We'll talk about the second match later. So let's just talk about the other matchup, which was Indiana and Miami. Whew, Miami. What do you think about them? This was fun, and Miami are extremely fun team to watch. To be honest, they they have these like it's. The team they have is just perfect. Like everyone just suits their roles they fill. Yeah. They got these. They got their leader and Jimmy Butler who can carry a bucket anytime he wants, and he's also a beast. He's a lockdown defender. Yeah. Then they got. Uh, like it's, in my opinion, the most underrated point guard in the whole league in Goran Dragic. He yes, is so correct. crafty. He can create a shot out of nothing. He can also create chances out of nothing, and he yeah. almost never gets the credit for what he's capable of doing. There were matches in this competition, especially against uh, Pesos, where Dragic was think, almost like single-handedly just dragging the whole Heat team along with him. Man, everyone yeah. else was just going cold. And then they had these two, these two extremely young, talented white guys, and Duncan <laughs> Robinson and Tyler Hero, who can yeah. who do hold their end on defense, but also incredibly, incredibly accurate shooters. Yeah. So many people just think Duncan Robinson is just this spot-up shooter. He does so much more than that. He's more like their primary ball handler because so much time where he's just running screens and running around doing all the Steph Curry stuff. No one yeah. else knows, and they just completely throws the offense, the other team's defense into disarray. Like yeah. he is so underappreciated. Like everyone just thinks he's oh yeah, forty-five percent three-point shoot. Yeah, he's more than that. And yeah, that's why most true. teams struggle. Mm-hmm. And then you also have uh, what Jay Crowder and Kelly Olynyk and. And they're an extremely good team, and when you're coached by the Miami Heat organization, coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now let me just put it out there: Jimmy Butler deserves everyone's apology. I mean, because oh yeah, every everyone just like uh, all the three teams has been on before this. The Bulls, he had a bad breakup from there. He went to Minnesota. He just. <laughs> made a fool out of that entire core and the management there, and then after that he came to Philly, and they didn't, you know, they didn't end on good terms as well. And everyone blamed it on Jimmy. I mean, everyone was like, he's a drama queen. He's, you know, he can never actually be coached by someone. He always just messes up the chemistry of the team and whatnot. Everyone was just blaming everything on Jimmy. But and look at him now, and he has actually. The Miami Heat wasn't that good last year, and now under his leadership and under his play, they are literally one of the like the top contenders to get out of the East. That's how amazing Jimmy Butler is, and the fact that everyone just blames him for destroying locker rooms, but everyone forgets that every locker room he's been a part of has been really, really good because of him. When he was in Minnesota, they were a playoff team. They reached the playoffs for the first time since the Kevin Garnett era. No, sorry, uh, from the Kevin Love era. My bad. After that, you know, Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Jimmy Wiggins. Uh, oh, what am I saying? Andrew Wiggins and Carl uh, Anthony Towns weren't able to Carl get Anthony them into Thompson. the playoffs. Yes, <laughs> I just messed up the name. Yeah. So these two guys <laughs> weren't able to do anything. And when Jimmy Butler came there, he they were I think the fourth seed 
before Jimmy went down with an injury and during the time mm-hmm. he was injured Minnesota almost you know got out of the playoffs then Jimmy fell out yeah yeah and Jimmy had to come back even though he was not completely healthy and he willed them again into the playoffs he left there stating that the players do not have the heart to win and rightfully so they 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 sucked after that as well they have like the number one overall pick and all no oh yeah i think they have the yeah, number, they one, have overall the number one overall exactly. pick exactly yeah. so yeah so that's how bad they've been after that you go to philly oh my god that was they chose tobias harris over him tobias harris i mean okay he was a decent yeah he was a decent player in during uh, you know, the clippers and yeah he was a borderline all star and all that but you chose him over jimmy butler i mean that <laughs> i feel so bad for joel and <laughs> i mean i i look at looking at all his tweets and all it's just so sad He he can actually. Okay, you shouldn't feel completely sad for Joel Embiid because he did bring some of this on himself as well. Yeah, so I on. guess. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk yeah. about him later. Go on, go on. So yeah, so basically that's how Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler has made every team he's been on so much better, and now we can see that with the Heat, and he's actually found a perfect fit with the Miami Heat, with the coaching, the personnel, the management. Everything is exactly what Jimmy wants. So I think I just uh, heard this somewhere. I think on a ESPN podcast or something, where the first day when Jimmy actually reached Miami, he had a talk with Coach Po, and after that he came back and he told his friends, "This is the best coach I have ever talked." That's how amazing and that's how much he respects uh, Eric Spoelstra, and that's that that's it. So it's amazing how well Miami is playing, and everyone, like every person on their team, knows their role. and the point the fact is miami is such a you know scrappy team all their players want to prove something like you have uh duncan robinson who wasn't i think he was uh, he came from the d league a uh, g league he drafted and he went to the g league he was drafted he went to the g league he came from there you had kendrick nun who also came from the g league then tyler hero also was also in the for draft pick yeah tyler hero wasn't a high draft pick and you have all these guys yeah all all these guys just come in and play so good and after all these guys like you have all these amazing shooters outside which just create so much space inside for bam and bam just goes to town on everyone man i mean oh my god how did i forget about bam <laughs> yeah <laughs> his skill set the way he has been defending playing just dominating people inside is just insane and you got to feel bad for indiana this time because everyone was like yeah this is going to be really good because of the tj warren and i don't know jimmy butler beef and stuff but they were missing their all star and uh, the bonus and the bonus yeah and victor oladipo is just a shell of himself now it's just really sad to see that so if it wasn't that competitive as a series to begin with but that just showed how dominant miami is and it's going to be scary man in the next rounds of the playoffs because this team can do some serious damage Yeah, I mean, I think like, I think on their day, Miami is unbeatable. They, they yep. definitely don't have the best team among the remaining teams. They definitely don't have the best team on paper, but on the court, yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, because if you look at any championship team, what do you need? You need amazing defense. They do have that. You need really good role players. They have that. They need a closer. You have that in Jimmy Butler. So they just have everything that. no championship championship team needs let's just see if they can actually pull it off this time 
that might be a hot take but it can be done <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah. i don't think anything's impossible yeah considering the bubble effect by jimmy butler that happened yeah i mean that yeah. again that would be a completely different storyline man everyone everyone in the league was yeah. actually just telling that jimmy butler is such a drama queen and all that and look at him now <laughs> yeah. okay anyway. so yeah uh, speaking about uh, philly as we were before shall we move yeah. on to that Oh, yeah yep. i mean of course i am <laughs> i mean philly versus boston has always been a really huge rivalry and this time it just felt like uh, i felt like boston was just so much superior to philly so first i want to yeah. hear what you have to say um actually in joel and beads words boston and philly are not rivals cause boston always kicks their ass <laughs> yeah i mean it was so clear that team is in such a mess uh brett brown got fired immediately and it was expected to be yeah, so that was not expected. have the team for nothing yeah. and there's so many things wrong with the team like you said they chose to buy saris or jimmy butler fine no problem with that um there's nothing wrong with that to buy saris is a good player but to pay him 180 million <laughs> that's just kills your future you have no flexibility unless you move him and then on top of that they go and pay hal hofford another yeah. 120 million <laughs> <laughs> and then you're already going to be you're already paying Joel Embiid a ton of money and Ben Simmons a ton of money. There's no mm. way you're going to get any more debt than role players. I think they have the highest cap salary cap in the yeah, whole I think, league. Yeah, I mean the highest almost salary there. in the whole league. Yeah, it's almost there. Yeah, and they are um their future is definitely bleak. They have to trade away um either Tobias Harris or Al Horford to get even like some sort of flexibility with them. And the only way they can do that is by moving one of the prized assets in Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid along with them as a speech now. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So much for the process, but <laughs> I mean, their misery is their sorrow is our joy. Yeah. And the Boston just stood up, completely shut them out. Mark yeah. Smart was making Mark Smart plays. Jason Tatum was looking amazing. Yeah. Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, everyone looked amazing. I mean, like. Just wish Hayward was still fit in there, but it is what it is, and yeah, yeah it was good. Um, I mean, Philly as a team is just—I mean, their entire—I uh, think who's the general manager? Elton, I forget his name. Elton Brown, I guess. Elton Brand. Elton Brand. Yes. I mean, he has made so many bad decisions. I mean, I don't. It's just really weird the way his team has actually structured because. anyone knows if you have Joel Embiid who is a really really good center and if you have a point guard who can't shoot you need shooters around i mean that's pretty evident but they let go of their shooters in JJ Redick and Marco Bellinelli and whom did they sign they signed uh, Al Horford they also let go of Marco Bellinelli who's an extremely good shooter exactly Elias so- Sova who's a Pretty, yes. pretty competent shooter. Yeah. So they, and then after that they let go of Jimmy Butler and got back Josh Richardson as if they're comparable. And then, I mean, it's just and they're paying so much money. So it's really like Al Horford is thirty-two or thirty-three, I guess. You can't move that kind of you know contract. I mean, you're paying him so much money, and plus he's. Uh, like he's almost at the end of his career. No one's gonna look. No one's gonna take him. 
he's so at the they, end of his career already. Yeah. He's breaking down. He cannot keep up with anyone anymore. It was so yeah. evident from the Celtics playoff series last year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just completely sad to look at how their team is functioning right now because and it looks like they will have to trade one of them. I mean, he has gone on record saying that he doesn't plan on, uh, you know, actually. Oh, what do you call it? trading any of his players? But maybe true. And there's actually another reason why Jamie Butler was not kept in Philly is because the team actually chose Brett Brown over Butler because Butler made it clear that he does not like Brett Brown because Brett Brown, first of all, does not hold anyone accountable for all the mistakes they do, and he was not able to actually you know make uh, Ben Simmons shoot threes. I mean. If your if your coach isn't able to tell your star player what to do, what's he there for? So Jimmy Butler yeah. was just completely. He just he had, I think he just made it clear that he would be in Philly only if Brett Brown would be fired, and they chose Brett Brown over him. And look where they stand now. Brett Brown's gone anyway. So yeah, the process was look a where Jimmy Butler failure. is now. Yeah. <laughs> so the process was a complete failure, and that just goes to show how you know. Dysfunctional teams can get. So, and also, yeah. okay, we cannot like move over this without getting going on to Joel Embiid, who is clearly probably one of the most talented players who ever come across in the NBA. At seven two, the way he moves, all his abilities, things he can do, he can literally do everything. He can dribble, he can post up, he can shoot from anywhere on the field, he can defend. Man. He can defend his heart out. Yeah. But you can clearly see there's no intention for him to take the next step. Like he has no physical fitness whatsoever. He mm-hmm. dominates the first quarter of every single match, and that's it. He's done. He's gassed. He mm-hmm. has nothing left to tank anymore. And constantly, like, like you can see, like this is just a sport for him. There's nothing serious, and you know, like when such a player has so much talent, and is, this is his mindset, it's really sad because it's literally a waste of talent. Unless he really starts working out on his endurance and his physical abilities like his physical endurance and then his stamina and his fitness. His general fitness overall is complete crap. That's why he gets injured so often. Yeah, and that actually goes to like I mean that actually again points out to the coaching staff. They're not holding him accountable for all that. So it's just the entire exactly. cycle. Yep. Yeah. It's just the entire cycle and the entire leadership chart that's it's just wrong and that's how that's what's led to the downfall of Philly because last year they were just four bounces away from going to the conference final and now it was just four straight losses and they're out of the playoffs so it, it, it's just been really sad for them so but yeah on the bright side our Celtic fans had a blast watching that series Jason Tatum oh, just <laughs> tore them apart and Celtics are looking really good they're getting their groove on and Kemba Walker is looking healthy as ever and he's just falling out. So the three-headed monster is looking really good in Boston and let's see what they can do in the future. And this was a really promising series. Yeah. So now we have yep, the last definitely. series. Yeah, so now we have the last series which was Toronto and Brooklyn. Uh, I mean, nothing <laughs> what's much to talk that? about. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Karis Levert yeah, was really good in the the seeding games, but once you actually get into the playoffs, it wasn't that much for Toronto to actually just yeah. handle the business. So, 
I mean, what's interesting is where Brooklyn go from now because yeah, they're gonna get KD and Kyrie back. Yeah. But then, what do they choose to do with Levert? Because um, it's really it's pretty obvious right now. Levert's best as the main ball handler. He's more yeah. of an ISO player, mm-hmm. like D'Angelo Russell was. So maybe they trade him for a better piece or a third man behind Kyrie. And yeah. KD. Because yeah, the Brooklyn Nets are a really interesting team because. They just hired the new head coach in Steve Nash. That would be really interesting to look at. And uh, yes, as you mentioned, Karis Levert is a really, really good player, but there's only one ball on the court, right? So, and obviously, if you have a player like Kyrie and KD as well, they're going to be the primary ball handlers. And Karis Levert would be needing the ball in the hand. So, there's a very high chance that he might be traded, you know, to get someone else. So, I mean, they were looking at possibilities of trading for Bradley Beal during the, uh, you know, during the trade, before the trade deadline last season. So, Brooklyn is mm-hmm. looking to upgrade because if you want to compete with all these other super teams out there, you do need another star. So, let's see. Because Brooklyn is, yeah, so the East again next season is going to be insane. So, definitely, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, like, both the East and the West, not only do you have Brooklyn coming back stronger, you also have Golden State now, with yeah. a fit clay, Steph, and the number two pick. <laughs> yeah, so what they do with that pick also would be really interesting, because do they, uh, I don't think uh, they, like, the draft this time, I don't think it's that great. You have James Wiseman, you have Lumelo Ball, and all these guys, but uh, like you don't have a transcendent talent like Zion or Luca in this draft, so there's a very high chance they might just move it and get another player. But I mean, their uh, front office is one of the most potent and the most smart front office out there. So they're definitely definitely going to do something really smart for their team. And another thing with Golden State is this is dual. I mean, the window now is just another. A year or two, I guess, because everyone is in their thirties. You have Steph, who is thirty-two, I guess, and then you have Clay Thompson, who's also thirty. So their main core is really, yeah, the main the main core is at their peak. So they it's do or die now. Let's see how they approach, or maybe they use this pick to actually, you know, contend for the future. There's just hundreds of questions out there, which <laughs> let's see how it goes. Yep, I agree. Yeah, so with that, I think we've come to an end to this podcast. It's been an amazing first round of the playoffs and it just looks amazing how like how great the playoffs has actually been. And two more rounds left, anything can happen, right, Kumar? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yep, so this is us signing off from the Armchair Fans Basketball Podcast. Uh, do give us a like on Spotify and if you have anything to tell us, you can tell us on anchor.fm. So, bye-bye. Bye, guys. Take care.